Hi everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Novel Ideas. We're your hosts, Harriet, Emily, Sarah, and Sienna, and we're here to show you that reading is always a novel idea. Today we will be discussing the poem called To My Country, written by Ben Lawson in response to the Australian bushfires in the summer of 2019 to 2020. This lets us talk about the issue of climate change and further the way that we can use Indigenous methods to decrease the impact climate change has on our world and our country. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Wurundjeri and Wadawurrung people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording from today and pay my respects to the Elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening. Earth's climate has changed lots of times throughout history. Um, So in the last 650,000 years, there's been seven cycles of glacial advance and retreat, with the end of the last ice age being about 11,700 years ago. Um, So this was what marked the modern climate era, as it's called, and human civilization. Um, And yeah, most of these changes of climate are attributed to very small variations in the Earth's orbit, um, which change the amount of solar energy our planet receives. Unfortunately, according to NASA, it is 95% likely that the current global warming trend is caused by human activity and is proceeding at a rate that is unprecedented meaning never seen before. Um, This change in climate is a result of greenhouse gases, which are gases in the Earth's atmosphere that trap heat, um, letting sunlight pass through the atmosphere, but they prevent that heat from leaving the atmosphere. It's because um, when the waves actually enter through the atmosphere, they are a much longer wavelength, I believe, than when they are reflected off of planet Earth and they're a much shorter wavelength that can't exit the atmosphere or it might be the other way around. I don't know. We learned about it in bio. This is just what I remember. (laughs) Yeah, so these greenhouse gas emissions come from burning fossil fuels like coal, petroleum, natural gas. These are things we use to get energy. Um, So, like, you'll you'll get this energy in your home, you'll burn petroleum gas in your car, um, and this leads to the warming of the climate, which is occurring roughly 10 times faster than the average rate of ice age recovery warming from history. Carbon dioxide from human activity is increasing more than 250 times faster than it did from natural resources after the last ice age. The effect of this can be seen dramatically through more frequent and intense droughts and storms, heat waves, rising sea levels, melting glaciers and warming oceans. And there are also many consequences from climate change which directly harm animals destroying places they live and causing damage to humans communities and homes Um, and as climate change worsens dangerous weather events specifically bushfires which we'll talk about in this episode are becoming more frequent and severe um so now moving on to the poem this directly links to the poem we're discussing today Um, To My Country from an Expat, written by the expatriate Australian actor Ben Lawson. So this poem was written from Lawson's perspective, being an Australian, 
But viewing the bushfires from the summer of 2019 to 2020 in Australia, as I already mentioned before, on the news from Canada, so from like an outsider perspective. The actor lives in LA for most of the time, but after keeping in touch with his Australian news, he wrote and released this poem, which he um, shared on Instagram and became shared amongst Australians as well. Um, it was first written and spoken in an Instagram post by Lawson on the 10th of January 2020. However, the poem was made into a book in December of 2020 known as To My Country, with the proceeds going towards the Koala Hospital in Port Macquarie in Australia. In a video on the project, Lawson described the poem as a stream of consciousness fueled by the emotion that every Australian all over the world was feeling. Events like these Australian bushfires show the direct impact of climate change on the earth as they started as early as August and September, burning over 18 million, million hectares of land, killing 33 people and killing or displacing over 3 billion animals. I write a poem. The place I'm from is far away. She's wide and flat and brown. When looking at a globe, she's just the one under and down. She raised me up and taught me almost everything I know like how to live and love and shape the way I learned to grow. And though I had no say in where my folks chose to reside, I always sort of had a sense of patriotic pride. I'd always felt connected from a space somewhere within. See, that's the thing about this place. She gets under your skin. So when the time had come, after two decades and a half, to go and see the world, she didn't scoff, she didn't laugh. She understood I had so much I needed to explore and that I would return for she had seen my kind before. And thus I ventured out and joined an ignominious posse of dreamers living far from home, expatriated Aussies. The streets of Brooklyn, London's Eye, an Indonesian sizzler, cafes in Paris, clubs in Rome, or every shop in Whistler. You hear our voices far and wide like members of a club fanning out across the world, quite often in a pub. We smile when people mimic us, quote Crocodile Dundee. To them we sound absurd. I guess we do to a degree. They talk about the snakes and sharks as if it's some big fuss. I couldn't live down there, they say. We say that's fine by us. Somehow the months turn into several trips around the sun. Yet that tie to the motherlands is strong as on day one. Regardless though how far away I happen to have wandered, I'll always check to see who won the hottest of the hundred. I'll somehow find a pub to watch the granny on the telly. And four days before Christmas, I will always play Paul Kelly. It really doesn't matter just how far or wide I roam. The boy from Oz is right, I guess. It's never not your home. And when I cross another Aussie traveling a while, we'll nod and say g'day and then we'll share a knowing smile. You see, we know it matters really not that much at all if England takes the ashes home or World Cup hopes are small. Perhaps we won't get quite as many medals as the Yanks. At Wimbledon, we might not have a top 10 in the ranks. Because we've still got the greatest gift, a wonder all its own, a paradise of sand and sun we get to call our home. I think about her often and that feeling comes along, that warm, familiar pride that tells me she's where I belong. And Crowded House comes on in some strange far-flung foreign bar. My eyes sting for a moment, man. Sometimes I do feel far. The purpose of these verses, though, is not to hear me muse. It's what I saw this morning when I opened up the news. 
My heart stopped for a second and my throat became too tight. Her name was in the headlines. She didn't look all right. I had to sit. I couldn't quite believe my own two eyes. She looked unrecognizable. I'd never seen those skies. That's not the place I grew up in. That's not what I remember. Bushfires never started up so early as September. It's much too much to fathom that your homeland has succumbed to such a horror. And they say the worst is yet to come. I stare as they evacuate and watch as children choke. And you, our New Zealander neighbours now are coughing on our smoke. I'm looking at a mile of fencing lined with blackened shapes. Koalas, possums, kangaroos with no chance of escape. So far we've burned about three times the land as the Brazilians. And as for all those animals, we're up to half a billion. Don't be afraid, they tell me, of a little Aussie coal. This stuff is worth a fortune. It's like carbonised black gold. So what if it's not great in an environmental sense? Just think of the economy. Don't focus on science. Now's not the time to talk about our planet getting hotter or fire seasons lengthening or folks who don't have water. It's sad we've lost some good people, a fiery or three. At least they all died knowing we've a healthy GDP. I mustered that old Aussie pride, but to my disbelief, discovered only anger there and overwhelming grief. We say we love our country, but that leaves a bitter taste. Our apathy to climate change should make us feel disgraced. We're so concerned with digging up that black stuff from the ground. Myself, I'd rather half a billion animals around. But then I see those photos of dark figures in the fray. The tiny silhouettes struggling to keep the flames at bay. I read about the volunteers who stepped up to the tragedy and spent their Christmas in the blaze instead of with their family. I read in awe about our fearless firefighting crews who could give up at any time they want, but they refuse. Men and women out there in the midst of devastation upon their yellow jackets. Pin the prayers of a nation. I watch as ordinary Aussies rise to the occasion, feeding precious animals half dead from dehydration. They're sending in their clothes and food to those who've lost it all. The kids are even raising cash with cupcakes and a stall. And suddenly I get the pang of something deep inside. The one that starts down in my gut and rises like a tide. The same one that runs through me, putting fire in my veins. It now glows deep within and so much brighter than those flames. And though I'm far away from her, right now when she is ailing, I know I've never been so proud to call myself Australian. Um, so now to point out a key structural point of the poem, uh, it's called a quatrain, so it's written in four-line stanzas and particularly with the second and fourth lines rhyming. Um, and it kind of develops in tone. Yeah, yeah. As well as that, the poem is split into two main sections that, yeah, develops in tone. So the first section is referring more to Lawson and his travels and life outside of Australia. And then the second section moves more on to bushfires, uh, the causes and effects of that and his views of that from, well, being an expat outside of Australia. Um, throughout the the poem um, Lawson uses many Australian references 
For example, the granny on the telly, the um, AFL grand final, trying to find any pub um, abroad to find this tradition in Australia. And also um, some other lines such as finding the hottest 100. I think that kind of, it suggests that his target audience is somewhat Australians and in particular Australians abroad, kind of connecting to them in a time where we're all feeling these emotions that we don't know how to express and he's kind of connecting to all Australians that aren't in Australia at that time. I think that's one of the most effective things about this poem and his, well, masterful tone dispersion because, like Harriet said, there are some, um, like, direct allusions to Australian culture that kind of develop this sort of humorous tone, um, like... Crocodile Dundee and the hottest of the 100 but also um, the yeah the transition into the more serious and the very raw and emotive kind of description of the fires itself I think that was very effective. Yeah it hits hard um, doesn't it it kind of it builds up the first half of the poem is all reminding Um, particularly expat Australians, of why they love the country so much and the traditions that they try and keep going, um, even if they're far overseas. Um, And that really, yeah, builds this connection back to the original homeland. Um, And then just to kind of throw them down into the, um, the reality of what was happening in Australia at the time with the bushfires, I think that was very impactful. Yeah, I think it's almost reminding them of how they need to, or of what ways they they love their country and why they need to, you know, donate money if they've got it or, you know, share their love to the, their Australians that are, like, fighting the bushfires firsthand because, you know, he kind of, as you were saying, he reminds them of why they love Australia and then tells them, all this sad stuff that's happening, you kind of almost feel a need to donate or find a way to help out even from abroad. Yeah, another key aspect of this poem is the personification of Australia. So throughout the poem, he refers to Australia as a woman with like she, which links to the idea that it's like his motherland. Um, And I think that's a really important thing because it allows for the speaker of the poem to have a direct connection with the land and I think one of the main themes of this poem is identity and I think that um, being able to link the speaker to their homeland is a really important aspect because it it shows the speaker's Australian pride and how despite not actually living in the country just um, you know it's not necessarily about where you live it's about where you come from Um, and that's yeah how it relates to identity I think. Yeah, I I totally agree how you said, like, it's not where you live now, it's where you come from. Always having that connection back to the people that you share something with, the people you you used to live in the same country as, you somehow have that connection despite living across the world from them. Um, In the poem, there's a lot of imagery that's been used to illustrate or, like, to depict Australia as... um, uh, wide, flat and brown and um, I don't know, just to depict it as this kind of dreamlike uh, region uh, that the that the speaker is connected to. And I think, 
Yeah, it's really important. Like it also, there's like some sensory imagery, tactile imagery of like she gets under your skin, just like showing how, again, through that personification of Australia, how the speaker is connected to the land and how because the speaker doesn't um, live in Australia at this moment, it's kind of like all just like memories that they remember that connect them there. And um, like as we've said before, the tone is quite like conversational and humorous. And I think that's also like like despite mentioning quite quite um, brutal and like sad uh, themes of like bushfires and, and people getting hurt and animals and stuff getting destroyed. I think it really shows how, well, it's part of an Australian identity to have a humour, I guess. Some people say that, I don't know. Um, but like by showing, by using that throughout the poem, it shows how the speaker is Australian and how they are connected to these aspects. And despite knowing that these bad things are happening, um, there's some there's like obviously sentimental joy in the memories that they've shared and experienced in their homeland. Yeah, furthering to what Sarah said, um, Lawson does explore how Australians are connected to sport um, and really ties on the heartstrings of what it means to be an Australian and how it really, this is a quote, um, you know, you see, we know it matters really not that much at all if England takes Ashes home or World Cup hopes are small. And then he continues um, to say, because we've still got the greatest gift, a wonder all its own, a paradise of sun and sand we get to call our home. Um, and by using the the pronoun of we, he includes the audience um, or in his poem. And that kind of goes throughout so the whole thing is like a direct address to the expats of Australia and the people in Australia um, about why they should donate and reminding them of why they love their homeland of Australia. Yeah I totally agree as I was saying before you, you can see that his audience is the Australian people and I mean I can say straight away that if you were not an Australian listening to this, you'd have no idea what a granny was or a telly. Like, it makes no sense. But to us, we see granny on the telly and it means grand final for the AFL football. And same with hottest of the hundred. We know straight away that that's the hottest 100. But someone not from Australia would have no idea what that reference is, which really makes you feel like you're part of this small group of people that he's talking to, particularly for us Australians. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it feels very personal and it's kind of like an, an ode to Australia or like a love letter to Australia in a way. It feels like he's um, kind of collating all of the things that he loves about Australia and sharing that with everyone um, around the world. And I think that kind of also links to the, like, the great international response that these fires got and recognition from people um, all around the country. But yeah, it does. It does feel very, very personal and very intimate. Yeah, with the allusions to Australian culture as well, I feel like that's his way. Well, Lawson's way of connecting with his audience, like because they're references, well, specific references that only Australians will get. He is able to connect with his more Australian audience, like the reference to the boy from Oz how far or wide I roam, 
which is, I don't know, it's a really cute reference to um, acknowledge his audience and to connect with his audience so, like, they understand his message in this poem when he goes into more about the bushfires themselves. Yeah, now quickly moving on, I want to talk about the rhyme scheme. I actually really love poems that have some rhyming in them and this one has the second and fourth um, lines of each stanza rhyming. What do you guys think of that? Makes it flow. Yeah. Sounds really good. It um, yeah, it kind of travels the entire poem and I really like how even though the tone kind of shifts halfway through the poem when he talks about a different thing, the entire thing is still all connected because of the rhyme scheme. Um. And yeah, it it sticks in your head, I think, if you've got a rhyme scheme. It's the same as songs that have rhyme schemes. You'd be able to um, recall the information or recall the even your favourite stanzas because they rhyme so easily. So it's a very good tactic in terms of recognition and um, making something that sticks in your head. Yeah, I was going to say, like, because it's like song lyrics, it's kind of catchy and, like, I don't know, it makes it more entertaining I guess and engaging with the rhyme scheme. I think it also develops that sense of like that casual tone as well because not every single um every single line in the stanza has to rhyme but it's just the second and fourth one so but yeah I think there's a sense of continuity throughout the poem certainly with the rhyme scheme. I agree. All right, guys, now I want to hear how you interpreted the poem, what you thought of it, how it made you feel, all that stuff. Well, I'm going to be honest, this poem was a lot longer than my average poem that I read, but I don't think that was a bad thing at all because, I mean, specifically I feel like it was good because I'm an Australian and it really appeals to Australians specifically, but I think like all of the little details and stuff make it really engaging and I feel like it really appeals to Australian issues specifically like coal mining and yeah the bushfires and just little issues like that. I feel like this poem is really good specifically for an Australian audience. Um, I also feel like uh, it shows um, nationalistic pride specifically like um Australian pride and um yeah stuff like I said before like it's not just where you live it's where you're from um where your ancestors are from like indigenous culture and yeah so I think that the poem is really cool because of that yeah um I found the poem really emotional so I watched I actually watched the original video this morning before I read the transcript of the poem because I thought that that was that, well, that was the order on how it was released um, and I, I knew that the that the, the poet Ben Lawson um, did become very emotional at the end he even started crying um, at the end of the video and it was yeah very engaging the whole thing also in an interview I think with the project he said that um, he knew that if he just posted the transcript or the words, um, he didn't think anyone would read it, or at least he wouldn't, didn't think anyone would read it until the end. So he knew that by, um, by posting the actual video of him doing it, even though it was kind of more vulnerable and it was kind of, he described it as a kind of a scary experience to put himself out there um, and he wasn't sure how people w- would react. 
um, I think it was very good because, yeah, people did watch it to the end and it was engaging. Um, yeah, I love the imagery that he creates. I think it was astounding. And the connection, his connection to Australia and his patriotic views um, really connected with me, even as just a young Australian, a 17-year-old. Um, I still recognise pretty much all of the... Um, the references to Australian culture and the country and it really yeah it really took me back to um the time to um the summer of 2019 and 2020 um and even I just remember being you know traveling around Australia we went to South Australia in those holidays and around Victoria and we could see smoke everywhere everywhere you went you could smell it and see it it really changed all our whole holidays but um I think I watched the news every single night and I kept you know I, we could my family kept on top of the the stories and it was really scary and to you know to see the smoke it was so close to us um but I was amazed at all the uh yeah all the people coming together and supporting the cause and fundraising and all of that yep yeah I definitely agree with what you said Harriet um, I think it certainly evokes a sense of patriotism, um, and definitely in that time, it really it really brings you back to that time when the the fires were all over the news, um, and it was it you felt very especially in Victoria where we were mainly unaffected. You did feel very helpless, but seeing everyone on the news working together and helping them. Even in those unaffected areas, just raising money and doing whatever you can, um, it yeah it definitely brought me back to that time. And I think the all the personal allusions in the poem definitely helped to bring me back to that mindset. And it was I personally I've never been super patriotic. I'm Italian and Macedonian and Australian, so my yeah, lots lots of different um, cultures, but it does make me very proud to be Australian to see everyone working together, and yeah. I've got a very different interpretation of the poem because I wasn't actually in Australia during the bushfires. So I understand how Ben Lawson was feeling, probably more than you guys did, because I was watching the bushfires and all that I had to tell me how it was was Instagram, a bit of the news, but they didn't really... I was staying with a host family and they didn't really have a television and what my friends and family were telling me. And so it was quite a strange feeling because no one I was staying with really understood how terrifying it was to see my country in flames. Um, so they'd say like, oh, it's so sad, isn't it? Is your family okay and everything? But they never fully understood how like emotional it was to see all these animals being fed water because they're dying of dehydration. And I think that, yeah, it was really emotional to reread or to read the poem and to re-feel all these things that I was feeling when I was away over that summer. So, yeah, I think that this poem was really, like, emotional and a good way to remind myself of the impacts that these bushfires have on every Australian, no matter where you are.
Um, so I think now we're going to go on to talk about how this poem is relevant to the global issue of climate change and, um, uh, and its impl- general implications. So um, I know that there are a bunch of Indigenous fire control land management techniques that some of us will be talking about in a moment. But I just wanted to mention... This poem does uh, reference coal mining specifically and its dangers in the environment. And I just, I thought it was a really important thing to mention because I know that uh, many people, um, you know, there's a lot more people acting as activists for climate change to try and reverse its effects, but there's still a lot of coal mining going on. I feel like um, a lot less people know about the severe consequences of coal mining Um, because so many people in the countryside, specifically in Australia, still do coal mining. Um, So, yeah, I feel like it's definitely important for us to pursue more activism and uh, to stop coal mining in the future. Yeah, in particular with that coal mining thing, there's... um the government right now is trying to suggest that, like, using natural gas is a, a viable... Uh, energy source as like a renewable they're calling it a renewable source kind of but it isn't Um, and it's basically just as bad as coal and um, they're trying to use it as like a recovery fuel for the COVID-19 economic crisis and um, I think that that's also like a really important thing to note that sometimes the government tries to tell us that they're they're doing their bit but sometimes you've got to take a more active role and and learn about the different fuel sources that they're using and the impacts that they all have on the environment. Now do we want to talk a bit about the indigenous fire control and land management techniques? Yeah sure um I'll start so a big part of the indigenous or traditional aboriginal um how they deal with fire is they do a lot of what's called like back burning um where which comes from the 50,000 years that the indigenous um community cared for the country um so they did a lot of traditional burning so clearing the land so that new growth could um arise and also creating kind of um fire breaks so that they could, uh, so if a fire did occur, then it wouldn't be catastrophic, and um, as it was, and I also think, I don't know if we touched on this, but one of the reasons that the fires were so bad, as well as um, due to climate change and everything, this the winter before, which is when they usually do all the back burning and the the forest clearing. I mean, not clearing, but like the burning um, in preparation for the fires. There was a drought in the winter time, so they couldn't actually um, burn through anything because they were worried of it getting out of control, which, well, I suppose in hindsight we know now that they really should have done that because it would have been a lot less catastrophic than the um, the actual fires. But anyway, coming back to the Indigenous community, um, a lot of their focus was on, because they were um, nomadic, they would use the land and then they would get up and move along and give the land a chance to recover. But due to farming practices now and due to the industrialisation and the urbanisation of the land, um, 
this is unable to be done or it isn't done. Um, yeah. Yeah, on that, um, they use this fire to clear undergrowth, basically, which then allows for new plants to grow through. And it means that the plants are more healthy um, and they don't burn as easily. And then that prevents high intensity fires that destroy all growth. So older plants die from this um, indigenous burning and then newer plants can grow and they don't die as easily from fire yeah going back to what sarah said um and what emily said they the indigenous people had a wealth of knowledge of the animals that lived there and um they did make sure that they knew how they would have like how the fires would affect them and um yeah so a quote here is local conditions climate plants and animals all matter and have all taken into consideration um, when using the fire stick farming and the controlled burns they understand who will be affected and they um yeah it, it was a very successful strategy that unfortunately is not used now yeah, I've got a quote here from an Indigenous fire management specialist, Victor Stephenson, who said that the current rate of wildfires and mismanagement of country t uh, is taking us down the road of mass extinction of trees, plants and animals. And he says that unless there's a shift for returning people back to the land like Indigenous management practices, we'll only spiral further into depletion which I think really just shows how they had this incredible way of taking care of the land that really meant that no animals were harmed, no plants were harmed, and they really maximised the um, safety of animals in fire season. I think just generally speaking, um, Indigenous Australians' worldview and their connection to the country truly does, like provide this very rich source of knowledge and innovations for a better land and water management policies and things like that. And it's very often overlooked in the government. And I think, yeah, their ways of being is very sacred and ethical and very reciprocal. Um, they have reciprocal relationships with nature that can really enhance and develop more sustainable approaches to living um, and I think certainly that is something that we as a society can definitely do more research on and look towards enacting those sort of worldviews in the future to ensure that we are yeah we have a, 
a reciprocal relationship with the earth and we're not just constantly taking. Um, yeah, I think um, another noticeable thing about this all is that uh, current governments and environmentalists and other Australians, I don't think they are, I don't know, reflecting on these techniques as much as they could because they had such a good impact on the environment like uh, aboriginals were able to get back just as much as they were giving with the environment and they were able to live off the land in a very effective way that benefited the land and themselves um and i feel like more legislation should be put in to try and replicate these to benefit us and to reduce the impact of climate change on on um us as a whole um, but in conclusion, uh, just a few things to mention. I think um, some points from Lawson's authorial intent was that um, I feel like they should, he, well, I feel like his intent was that more people should uh, express their opinions and get involved in activism and supporting organisations that act to reduce climate change uh, I think also some of the messages was that he kind of wanted to change how people think and feel towards um, their home countries and um, how they should respect and um, look after their identity and their home. Yeah, on that, even though we were saying throughout the analysis of this poem that he really was showing a love for the country, we also like could see a few points in the poem where he was actually showing that he was a bit disgraced at how the country was dealing with climate change. We've got the particular quote that he said, we say we love our country, but that leaves a bitter taste. Our apathy to climate change should make us feel disgraced. So he's he's actually saying that we need to rethink the way that we're we're caring for the country and and the way that we are talking about climate change in our country because clearly he thinks that it's not enough. Yes, um, also in conclusion, in an interview that I watched that um, Lawson talked about, he expressed how artists have a responsibility. Um, so artists, that includes um, visual artists, poems, poets, um, and even actors and things. You need to... Yeah, as an artist, you have a responsibility to your pain and um, don't sus- suppress your feelings um, as he, he reflected that he used to do that and he had an idea for a great message and then a week or so later he didn't have the same motivation to write. But for this one he felt so inclined and he said he spent 48 hours pretty much constantly on it. Um, and, yeah, it's about cultivating a habit, so having an impulse to write. And if you do have that impulse, do something about it and um, write about it because people will read it or will listen to it or will react to it in the way that you want to um, and it can make a difference. Yeah. I think also that um, while he is expressing, yeah, as an artist you have a responsibility, this poem is certainly a call to action from Australians and people all over the world to be concerned in issues about climate change and kind of it's kind of saying that it is everyone's responsibility in a sense to when you feel such emotions um do something about it don't just let it happen 
And thank you so much for listening to this month's episode of Novel Ideas. If you would like to recommend any literature for us to study, contact us via Instagram at novel.ideas.podcast. Tune in next month when we'll be talking about a couple of poems from the collection The World's Wife by Carol Ann Duffy. Bye! Bye. <laughs>